Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, fans. Welcome back to another episode of La Jam and Latte. This week, I've been playing a game of tug-of-war with myself. Don't worry, it was not a great match. Neither side was very strong after some lengthy absences from the gym. But I was debating whether or not to mention the Black Lives Matter movement. This podcast is very intentionally light. It's not about current affairs. It's where you go to get away from them. However, pretending that this week wasn't history-making and carrying on with this episode, having a laugh as if nothing had happened felt very wrong and ignorant, especially since I do inadvertently nod to it later in the episode. And in the age of information, there is no excuse for ignorance. So I will leave you with this. Since you obviously like listening to podcasts, let me recommend some Indigenous voices that I'm listening to myself to further educate. The Real Podcast shares stories and experiences from Australia's first people. Similarly, in Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories, Marley Silva has conversations with Indigenous role models and trailblazers. Today on the podcast, I share some rather unjoyful pregnancy secrets. Then we talk about the ultimate escapisms. I review the apparent classic, Sleepless in Seattle, and I share with you one of my favorite life changes yet. Before we get started, this segment is obviously about pregnancy, so please consider if this may be a trigger for you. I also really want to make clear that as much as this segment is essentially a list of complaints, I am so grateful I was even able to get pregnant at all. It was all worth it and I would 100% do it all over again. And I can confidently say the same things for all the fans who contributed to this episode. If you don't have children, it doesn't mean this segment isn't for you either. I think you'll find you're feeling quite smug by the end of it, actually. For something that nearly half of the population experiences, the joys of pregnancy are better kept secrets than that of the Illuminati. That's sneaky Jay-Z. I guess peeing yourself in a work meeting again isn't actually the best brunch conversation, but I couldn't believe how many things I experienced that not a single person forewarned me about. Being pregnant is like a nine-month-long advent calendar. Every day you wake up to a new treat, except the treats aren't chocolates. They're more like black jelly beans. But I'm whistleblowing on this secret society, and I am going to tell you all about the anti-joys of pregnancy. If you're really lucky, you'll get to save $18 on the old clear blue because your body will just decide that it's purchased a season pass to the Porcelain Express, which comes with unlimited rides. And you'll know, that's how I knew. I obviously did like four pregnancy tests to be sure, but vomiting eight times a day was a pretty solid giveaway. Yeah, I said day as well, not morning, because morning sickness goes all day 
long. And like Banksy, you just never know when it's going to show up. Fan Catherine vomited in a bin while teaching her high school students. Fan Sarai was a high school student vomiting every day before school. OG teen mom. I left a trail of destruction everywhere I went. I vomited in side streets. I vomited in a waiting bay at McDonald's while I was waiting in the car for my nuggies. And then the attendant came out and brought them to me and stood in my vomit, which was super embarrassing because I obviously needed to go back to that McDonald's like two times a day for the next six months. But my high point was probably vomiting on myself at brunch. That was good. Now, okay, I want you to try something. Activate your gag reflex for me just a little bit. And now can you feel when you do that how your pelvic floor sort of pushes down a little bit? That's like the muscles that you hold in your pee with. Now, remember that and picture this. Imagine four people are holding the corners of a sheet and pulling it really tight. And now someone drops a watermelon onto that sheet. The sheet has dropped, right? Well, That's your pelvic floor and the watermelon is a baby sitting on top of it. Bye. So imagine that and then put the gag reflex on top of that too, which is just really rooting for you to pee yourself. And one in three women will pee themselves during pregnancy. And I feel like this is one of the most taboo topics, but it's natural. It happens. So fuck it. I'm going to talk about it. All of a sudden when you're pregnant, laughing, jumping, coughing and sneezing become more dangerous than jumping into a cage with lions. As fans Sasha will tell you, you basically just need to get in the shower on all fours so you can pee and vomit at the same time. And there's no mess. Yeah, we've all been there. Well, at least one in three of us has. Now, while you may pee yourself, it's very difficult to poop yourself because, well, it's very difficult to poop at all. Thank you, fan Sarah, for bringing this one up. And yes, I know this is the second week in a row I've spoken about poop and I'm sorry, but I thought about skipping it. But then I was like, if I didn't, it would just perpetuate the secrecy. So... I'm going to do it, but I will keep it fairly nondescript. I will just say that if you can survive a 45-minute pregnancy poop, you are ready for anal. Okay, the first trimester is fondly known as the white trimester because it's the only time during your pregnancy where you can safely do cocaine. No, obviously I'm joking. It's because you only want white foods. All the blogs and pregnancy books are like, you need to eat super healthy because you're growing a human inside you. Only eat like kale salads with artichokes and fennels and Brussels sprouts. Um, excuse me, I don't need any more assistance vomiting. Fuck you. I'm going to have like eight Wonder White sandwiches stuffed with mashed potato with three sides of large fries from McDonald's. Literally the only foods I wanted to eat that weren't white were, of course, the ones I wasn't allowed to have. Poached eggs, cured meats, sushi. I have never stuck to a diet in my life. So that was a real challenge for me, but I nailed it. Mostly... Growing a vegetable garden is really hard work. 
Growing a child is much harder. It is exhausting. Like you come home from work every day and you go to bed at 6 p.m. But in this cruel twist, you don't get any sleep. You can't sleep on your back because it puts pressure on uh, the vena cava, which is the main vein that carries blood to your heart. You can't sleep on your right side for the same reason. You can't sleep on your belly because there's a pumpkin in the way. So positions to sleep in are very slim. So in the end, you just lie there Daring a significant other wanting to punch them in the face because they're just peacefully sleeping on their back, snoring away. If you do get to sleep, the one one positive side effect of pregnancy, I think, is the wild dreams you have. Sometimes they're really good, like if you're the manager of Magic Mike, but then sometimes you just have a sex dream about Grant Denya. And I literally took a week to recover from that. It was too much. Then the baby starts to really grow and your body needs to make room for it. So you know that scene in Breaking Dawn when the baby's growing inside Bella and you can literally just see it expanding and destroying her insides? That's exactly what round ligament pain feels like. You can actually feel your muscles and your ligaments stretching out. It's horrendous. A nurse told me that it hurt me so much because my abs were so tight and they were separating. And obviously it was actually the best compliment I have ever received in my life. Once your baby is bigger, there is literally no room. Some women don't even have room to eat. They're like, I can't even eat a whole slice of toast. Obviously like that remains a very foreign concept to me. I had room for a whole Domino's pizza right up until the end. But the babies will tell you there's no room by kicking you fucking everywhere, under the ribs, in the stomach, in your cookie. And get this, this is the actual term. It's called lightning crotch when you get this bolt of pain on your pelvis. You also basically become a fire breather when you're pregnant because your throat is permanently on fire with reflux. I made a new best friend while I was pregnant. His name was Gav Escon, and I took him with me everywhere, just like I took a pump bottle with me everywhere circa 2007. And then you get to full term and you basically just can't stand up because when you do, it feels like your baby's head is just going to fall out. I can confirm it absolutely does not just fall out. So there you have it. Secrets exposed, the anti-joys of pregnancy. So what are the chances you'll be having sex tonight? In the UK right now, nearly 7 million people are tuning into a show called The Repair Shop. It's a show where people basically fix old clocks. Sounds mind-numbing, and that's exactly the point. It feels like we're living in a dystopian nightmare. I mean, we're not quite Gilead yet, but we're close. And at least I think we can all agree that 2020 is a Satan of a year, and we are reminded of it everywhere we turn. The news is no longer something we only see at 6pm. The 6pm news is just the same narrow collection of awful stories we've seen on every single station throughout the day. 10am news, midday news, 3pm news, 4pm news, first at 5, 6pm news. Yeah, look, I'm home all day, so I watch a lot of TV. But everyday news is like being poked in the same spot over and over and over again. And as millennials, we also like to double screen and we like our information bite-sized. So it's perfect for us to 
to listen to podcasts like The Briefing or The Quickie to feed us the facts in 10 minutes, or you can ask Siri to read you the news, Facebook message and can ping you the headlines from ABC or SBS. But what's really changed this year is that our social channels have evolved from mind-numbing, occasional thumb-tapping destinations to thumb-halting news sources. And it's not like this just became a thing, but with back-to-back-to-back global eruptions this year, it's organically peaked. Remember when your Instagram was Steph Claire Smith and Laura Henshaw in their respective sponsored active where having brunch somewhere or even further back when the pictures you posted were just sunsets with a sepia filter over the top? I cannot remember the last time I saw an ex-maths contestant trying to sell me a teeth whitening kit, and rightfully so, because with the mood of our socials right now, it would be relatively tone deaf. But we spend an average of nearly three hours a day on social media and we still need that downtime. And it's not to say we completely switch off and ignore the news. Absolutely not. It's to say that we can't be switched on 24 hours a day. That is mental health 101. Sometimes we need to pull away from the stress and negativity in our lives and reboot. And if that many people are watching a TV show about clocks, we are clearly craving it more than ever. So, In alignment with our low involvement brand, I've put together some of the most low key, effortless, mind numbing things I could think of to give you a little break from reality. The ultimate escapisms. Play video games. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I was super hesitant about that, but I'm not talking about your boyfriend's brand of video games. Sitting on the Xbox playing FIFA with a headset so you can share strategies with the 11-year-old boy in Germany that you're playing with. No, go with what you know. And we all know Nintendo. So pull out the old Super or 64, select Peach and get dominating in Mario Kart. Or if you're not a hoarder, try The Sims. Now, I had to consult with fan Jess on this one because, yeah, video games are not in my lane. But Jess tells me the reason that people love The Sims is because you can create an alternate version of yourself and do things that you wouldn't do in real life. You're not restrained by the physical world. It's an imagined reality. Really, that's what gaming is in general, playing in a world that's not real life. So... It's like being a child and playing with your toys, I guess. If you're a bit of a general nerd, like I guess if you've watched Lord of the Rings, Jess also recommends playing Age of Empire and Battle of Middle-Earth. Off the back of this, fans Mira and Polly told me something that gives you a similar feeling to playing video games. In You know, playing in these imagined realities is fan fiction. Now, I am not unfamiliar with fan fiction, actually. I found Twilight to be very sexually frustrating. It's only flaw, I might add. So I wrote my own piece of Twilight fan fiction. And if only I would have put that on the internet instead of printing and binding it and leaving it in my bedside drawer, maybe mine would have got published instead of Fifty Shades of Grey. I can tell you it was probably better written, but I guess I wasn't alone with that because Twilight is huge in the fan fiction world, as is Harry Potter and... Harry Styles, actually the best bad movie I have 
ever seen. It's called After. Gosh, it's a banger. I'll probably review it next week just so I can watch it again. It's on Amazon Prime and it's based on Harry Styles fan fiction. But why am I telling you to write fan fiction? Because you have to do literally zero work. It's so easy. The characters exist, their motivations exist, the world already exists. And all you have to do is write the story you already wanted to tell, which is probably in your head. Like, are you still reeling from Zach and Vanessa's breakup like I am? Well, write some fan fiction where they stay together and make at least 11 more high school musical films together. Or write an alternate ending to Offspring where Patrick doesn't die. I No, I can't even talk about that. It still hurts. Okay, move on. Listen to a story because reading is exhausting work for the eyes. Also, if you've got through ISO and haven't picked up a book, you probably won't be now. But also, that's not why. This is really helpful if you want to go to sleep and can't switch your mind off. Listen to a good story with lots of descriptive prose because it actually distracts you from thinking and trying to sleep by focusing on the descriptions in the story. There's like a whole lot of science behind it if you want to look it up, but it was far too involved for me in this podcast. So maybe just believe me and try it. Like it worked when we were children. So why did we stop? Probably because our parents wanted us to be in bed so they could watch Blue Healers in peace. The stories are usually like 45 minutes long, but the idea is that you fall asleep within the first five or 10 minutes. Podcasts can also work for this if the narrator has a really good voice. Like I started to fall asleep to Case File for a while, but I was like falling into dreams while listening to it and I was having some really uh, not enjoyable dreams. So now I really like listening to the stories in the Headspace app, specifically one, ironically, it's about browsing an antique store. There's also the app Calm, which has stories narrated by Stephen Fry and Joanna Lumley. And for the frugals out there, there's some free ones on YouTube. Obviously, I wasn't going to do this segment without mentioning my main genre in life, reality TV, but specifically reality TV where the people, the cast, are living the antithesis of your reality. What does that mean? Well, I wanted to sound a bit smart, so I just Googled synonyms for opposite because you want something that's largely unrelatable, nothing too close to home like ambulance or invention. That is too stressful. Like our old saggy mates in Hollywood announced that Michael Bay was making a new film about a virus that won't stop mutating. It was not well received. Like read the room, buddy. That movie already exists and it's called The News. Now, I'm assuming a lot of you have clock TV and ISO, so I'm going to suggest hopefully a few newer, lesser-known real TV shows for your viewing pleasure. Welcome to Plathville on Foxtel. Kim and Barry's nine children have never had a Coke and don't know who Tom Brady is. They're one of these culty-esque families in the US shielding their children from the dangers and sins of society, which, I don't know, I guess now doesn't seem that wild. But their eldest, who's 21, has just got married to a sinner. And one by one, they're bringing the other children into reality. Oh, and the twist is that they're all unbelievably good looking. Yummy Mummies on Netflix. It's about a group of totally unrelatable Melbourne mums. One of them gets a Range Rover for her push present. One gets like a bajillion dollar ring and one gets a Rolex. I got a baby for my push present. 
Summer House. It's on Nine now and Foxtel. And it's not totally new, but I think it went a little bit under the radar here. It's about a group of friends that are way too old to go out till 4am every weekend and fight with their friends still. But that's exactly what they do all episode at their summer house in the Hamptons. So definitely don't ignore the news. Participate, be active, but remember to look after your mental health, switch off and take a break. I have never seen Sleepless in Seattle. Mm, sue me. I was busy watching Beauty and the Beast when it came out at the local Hoyts, and I think I've been in bed by every Sunday night 8.30 movie for as long as I can remember. Plus, I don't really love watching old movies. I always feel like they're going to be outdated and primitive, but since I think my own life is a bit of a rom-com, it stands that I should probably give this one a go. Full disclosure, I was knee-deep in wine when I watched this. We open on Tom Hanks and he's at a funeral of his wife and already I'm upset and mad because I don't want anything to upset the world's favourite actor, Tom Hanks. He can't handle the memories and moves away from Chicago to Seattle with his eight-year-old son. A year and a half later, he refuses to take sleeping pills, I guess, and he can't sleep. So on Christmas Eve, his son calls up a late night radio show with a therapist and forces his dad to speak to her. What a frugal kid. Women all over the country are dripping. Annie, aka Meg Ryan, is driving home singing along to Christmas carols. And now I think I remember why I haven't seen this movie, because Meg Ryan's acting is more painful than a cricket bat to the ankle. Oh, thank fuck she turns the Christmas carols off and turns on the radio just in time to hear Tom, aka Sleepless in Seattle, pouring his heart out to the therapist. Fireworks. She is in love just by listening to the sound of his voice for 20 seconds. Unlike Tom Hanks, who is a grieving widow, Annie is actually in a relationship. She's engaged to a perfectly fine man, Bill Pullman, aka the dad from Casper. But you can see why she's not happy. They go to bed and she's dressed in the same nightgown as Wee Willy Winky, and he needs like an aspirator or something to breathe while he's sleeping. So I guess since their relationship is just so average, it means her loose morals around monogamy are totally valid. Uh, Annie proceeds to stalk the fuck out of Tom Hanks, which is difficult before a time where there was no Google or Facebook. See, this is my problem with old movies. If this was now, she would have known everything about him in 2.5 seconds flat. So instead, she has to get a police report on him. What? Then she travels to Seattle to take pictures of him like an absolute creep, but she's not a very stealth stalker because she's standing in the middle of the road and nearly gets hit by a truck and then the truck beeps and then Tom Hanks sees her and she freezes and then runs away. So please note at this point, we're like an hour into the movie and this is their first scene together and they didn't even talk. What follows feels like three to five versions of the exact same scene. Meg Ryan watching an old movie, whinging, am I crazy? To her trusty best friend, Rosie O'Donnell, who tells her, no, you're not. And that's the strange part. Honestly, Rosie, just tell the truth. So after watching Annie Hall, she writes Tom Hanks a letter asking him to meet her up the top of the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day. The reason she specifies New York is because she'll actually be in New York with her fiancé. Oh, this woman has no shame. She doesn't end up sending the letter, but Rosie O'Donnell does. 
Tom Hanks's son gets the letter and writes back as his dad like, yep, see you there. Then the kid books himself a flight to New York. He asks his dad to go and meet up with this girl at the top of the Empire State Building and Tom Hanks is like, absolutely not. So the kid gets on a plane and goes to New York by himself anyway. Like, are you kidding me? What is wrong with these American airlines? This eight-year-old boy gets on a plane to New York by himself. The next year, Kevin gets on the wrong flight and ends up in New York. I just feel like a strong review of their child safety standards is in order. Tom Hanks isn't even stressed that his son just got on a flight by himself and flew across the country. He just books himself a flight and trots off to get him. He meets him up the top of the Empire State Building. Meanwhile, Annie is at Tiffany's with her fiancé and he gives her the most fugly engagement ring, like as fugly as the ring that Sam gave Snares in that season of The Bachelor, at which point she's like, Mm, I can deal with you being really average and I can deal with cheating on you, but I can't deal with a fugly ring. So they go out for dinner and she breaks up with him there and then. Not only does she break up with him, she tells him all about Tom Hanks and how she's going to meet him at the Empire State Building later that night. And he is totally fine with it. No wonder she was so loose with her morals. She knew she could get away with it. So she runs to the Empire State Building and just as it's closing, she begs the attendant to let her go to the top because she's going to meet the love of her life, just like an affair to remember. And as if the guy doesn't get this like 20 times a day, but he lets her go up anyway. So she gets to the top and no one's there. Devo! Then she finds the kid's bag. She turns around and there are Tom Hanks and the kid. They've come back for the bag. At this point, I realized that her and Tom Hanks have not said a single word to each other the whole movie. He's only seen this woman when she was standing outside the front of his house taking photos of him and his child. Naturally, I expect a discussion to ensue about her stalking behavior, maybe a stay away from me and my son. But no, they hold hands and then they leave together. (laughs) Unlikely story. And that's the end. What? I can only assume the people who coined this movie a classic did so before they had seen the real classics of the rom-com game. The big hitters like Failure to Launch or How to Lose a Guy. Anything with Matthew McConaughey, really. If you want to watch a rom-com with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, I suggest you watch You've Got Mail because it is a million times better. This movie is more overrated than Beyonce. I give it a 4 out of 10. And now it is time for your life changer. Aaron's bra is an anagram of neighbours. Thanks for listening to La Jam and Latte. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A nice review would also tickle our hearts. Make sure you join the low involvement discussion by following us on Insta at La Jam and Latte Media and joining the Facebook group at La Jam and Latte. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.